Welcome to Kick Your Butts, a show where excuses, limits, and boundaries go to die. Where moving through everything that's holding you back is the key to stepping onto your infinite path and achieving the success you deserve in life, business, and relationships. It's time to take those butts and kick them into oblivion. Now here's your host, Susan Desenzi. Welcome back to another episode of Kick Your Butts, where we come together to obliterate your boundaries, excuses, and limiting beliefs that hold you back from stepping into your infinite potential and infinite possibility. I am so grateful that you are back here with me for another episode, especially in light of what is continuing to go on in the world around us. As you may be aware, you might have heard this episode from long, long ago, but this was a time when we were all dealing and still are currently with COVID-19 and the ramifications of what that means around the world, what that means for all of us from a mind, body, spirit perspective. And the guest I have in the house today is, you know, I say every week how special my guests are and how excited I am to have them here, but this particular guest is incredibly special and I'll tell you why very shortly. I welcome into the house John Hopkins. Now, John is someone who spent 22 years in service to this country as an Air Force civil engineer, and he retired about, he'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I want to say about 15 years ago. He dedicated his life to service because he loved this country, and he loved being in service. He currently works in the same job capacity, that is the coolest thing ever, with the same group of people really doing what he loves. He has been married to the most amazing woman for nearly 30 years, and that makes him an incredibly loving husband and man. He is a grandfather to two, and he's an amazing brother to two siblings. And I know this because John Hopkins is my brother. So first, before I tell you why John is on this episode with me today, I want to welcome him into the house. John, welcome. Thank you for coming. Thank you for inviting me. This is an awesome experience, and I'm really looking forward to this. Aw, you know what? I love you, bro. And, now, and you're a good sister. Oh, he just, no, he's, no, you're a great sister. Oh, no, pay, you're a fabulous sister. Oh, I'll pay you later for that one. Thank you. <laughs> well, that's what I was waiting for. I know, right? <laughs> well, and here's why I wanted to bring John on tonight. Johnny, sorry, I know you're used to All being right. called John, but for 55 years, dude, I've called you Johnny and it's yeah. a little hard to break. The reason that I really wanted to bring my brother on tonight and have this conversation directly with you, Johnny, is that you're very entrenched in your spiritual and religious beliefs. And I know that with what's going on in the world around us with COVID-19, and you know, we live here in the state of Illinois, and so we are under, as many of the states are in the United States, under shelter-in-place mandates, where they have asked us to not gather, to socially distance. And I really dislike that word socially, because it's really more about physically distancing our bodies and not distancing ourselves socially. And so when you're used to like going to church every Sunday or going to a temple or a mosque or whatever your own religious organizations might be for all of you listening, it, it can be incredibly stressful and really tear at our heartstrings and the challenges 
that we're facing, it can make it even more real. Well, let me back up. It's obviously real, but it can make, it can drive home the isolation and the loneliness that we're feeling, and maybe even the disconnection that we're feeling from our, our faith and our beliefs. And so, you know, John, you're very in, involved in the church and your church family and church community, as is your wife. You're very involved in many activities that go on with your church and your church family. How are you really weathering this kind of sheltering in place from your own perspective? being that you're so involved? Well, let me begin by saying what I've experienced from the day that we were sent home from work under the stay-at-home order from the military, which was on March 16th, is when they told us to start teleworking and they'd give us further instructions. That whole week was just, you know, a crazy week trying to figure out technology and, and the electronics and connectivity and everything. And one of the, as you had mentioned, I do a lot of uh, extra activities with the church. One of the things that I do is I'm a Eucharistic minister, and I bring that to the patients at the hospital. Mm. Um, at that point in time, they had not issued a statewide stay-at-home. I called the pastor of the uh, hospital, and they said, no, go ahead and bring communion. And I was, like, so excited about that. I could still do one of the functions. But by that Friday, our priest had sent out uh, an email blast to the whole parish saying that uh, until they get further direction, all church activities are canceled. All, all different programs are canceled. Wow. And my heart just sunk because I knew my activities. I'm, I'm a, 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 I teach uh, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders, parish school of religion. Uh, like I said, I'm a Eucharistic minister. I sing in our choir. I love to sing in general on a regular basis. And Sue, you know that. Yeah. Um, everything just kind of came to a halt. Your whole, yeah. Wow. It just like it. And, and at this particular time, as I said, this was back in the middle of March, knowing that we were in Lent and we're coming up to the Easter tritium, you know, which is the, 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 the most sacred portion of our. Catholic religion. You know, we have the birth of Jesus and we have his death and his resurrection, and that is our faith. Yeah. And so, like, it, it wasn't just that your work was being turned upside down. Like, you know, for all of us, like, all of us are being asked to, you know, recreate whatever that means, kind of a new quote unquote normal kind of routine for ourselves, or just even a routine based on what we had been used to doing by getting up and maybe going out to work and maybe the kids go off to school and, you know, we, we come back together as families in uh -huh. the evening and we have dinner and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And now we're all being asked to stay in place, but then to have to figure out the work situation, working for the military as a civilian, and then have all of your kind of other the other parts of, you know, like your soul, like this is your faith and this is your connection to grace and God and spirit and Jesus for you. And now to have that completely essentially taken away, is the church doing any kind of um, like online services or anything like that where you can sort of participate still? Well, one of the things that the parish started that Friday had given us direction uh, through the bishop through our diocese that 
there's a, a dis dispensation for having to receive communion. We believe that it's necessary as a Catholic to receive the physical body and blood of Jesus when the um, wine and wafer are consecrated into the holy body and blood. And wait, let me stop you there. For those of you that may be listening that might not know or understand the Catholic faith, what that means is whenever you've seen on TV or if you've ever been to a service of someone else's and you see people getting up in line and they go before you know, ministers, priests, as as John said, Eucharistic ministers or priests, part of the part of the religious order to receive what appears to be a little wafer and appears to be a sip of some liquid. Catholics believe that that is the blood and body of Christ, and it's it's a very very holy, sacred, and important experience for a Catholic to receive communion. So when John was saying that he was still being allowed as a Eucharistic minister to go to the hospitals and provide this for the patients who are Catholic and stuck in the hospital and cannot go to the church to receive this, there are many throughout the world who provide these services for those that are homebound or inbound in like hospitals. And so you know, he could do that. And then that stopped. And now your ability to even receive that has stopped. So, so go ahead. I just, I wanted to explain that just so right. people understood. No, and, and, and that makes sense. I mean, I'm seeing things from my perspective, but one thing I want to jump back real quick for a second is just so your audience knows, you know, you and I and Jay were born in a mixed religious family because mom was Jewish and dad was Protestant. And our parents were so liberal in our upbringing, we went to uh, temple and we went to several different, you know, services there. And they kind of let us decide what religions we wanted to. So I actually converted. I, I always considered myself a Jew, but I converted to Catholicism when I was about 30 years old. I studied, I, I read up on, on the saints and, and Catholicism. And so I, I see things from two sides, you know, the Jewish portion of it, which Jesus was a Jew. People don't realize Jesus was a Jew. And, and he created Catholicism, Christianity. Um, and then branches through this millennium have come off of that. So for me, I'm seeing stuff also that, you know, I'm still trying to learn my religion. I'm still trying to express, you know, my religion and, and the activities. And I won't say try to prove myself, but I want, you know, what more can I do for my church, for my God, for my right. family? Right. You know? So continuing on with your question before about how, how did the church then turn around our, our particular parish, uh, do things. So we couldn't receive communion that first weekend after we were put in the shelter in place. The governor put down that lockdown and keeping every not lockdown, but keeping everybody in home, highly encouraging that. And then several of our parish employees that worked there were fiddling around with Facebook and face. Um, I know I'm getting it wrong. FaceTime. Oh, face. You, where you can record live, live face. Oh, face. like Facebook lives. Facebook Live, yeah. Oh, okay. So they yeah. were he. So he was. Our, our, you could tell my brother is not the most social media <laughs> adept, which is totally cool. It's totally cool. Which is cool because Sue was that same spot probably twenty five years ago. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so 
Steve, our one director of liturgy and music, he really at at uh, electronics and that, and he was teaching our priest and our sister and other not parishioners but people in the parish how to do that. And then they also set up a YouTube how to do a YouTube tutorial. So that first full week that I was home, and then that weekend, which would have been the uh, 23rd or so, 7th, 21st, 22nd, that weekend, um, we still had nothing. Then our uh, pastor tried to do something on the 23rd, and they couldn't get it going. So finally, we started seeing videos on the 24th or the 25th for daily mass. Okay. And that was, you know, it's like, oh my goodness, wow, you know, and they encouraged us though to go to other places on the web that had daily masses. Our television doesn't have ETWN, which is a religious network. Oh, okay. Um, so we couldn't see any masses there. But, you know, that didn't stop us from searching the internet for, you know, daily masses or, you know, I don't normally go to a daily mass. I'm usually at work. Right. Um, here at home, I've got time to kind of bring up my computer and listen to it while I'm doing what I have to do at work, you know, but they've, they've opened up those opportunities now where they're doing daily masses and the weekend mass. But what's it like then? So a couple things, first of all, was it, what was the difference? Like how different did it feel to one, not be able to be in the energy of the church with all the other parishioners there, you know, listening to the service, accepting, you know, communion, things like that. And the fact that you can't even take communion right now, you can't, you can't participate in that. What has that been like just from this virtual kind of online perspective? Well, I mean, it's been really difficult because knowing that, you know, the, the feeling, yeah, you're seeing the priest, go through the motions, you're listening to his words. And, and I think for us, a biggie, besides actually receiving communion, I think a biggie for us is, is listening to the, the priest's homily, how he's describing what the readings were and how they interpret it, you know, the, how the church interprets it. Each pastor is going to give you a different sermon, if you will, right. um, that you're going to hear based on the reading. Some of them may give you about the gospel. Some of them may give you something a little bit about the first reading. And I'm talking about the weekday readings because the only time they do the first reading and the second reading and the gospel is uh, on holy days and on, on Sundays. So are they not doing that with the online kind of videos? Are they not sharing the homilies and things? Oh, in no, other they words, are. are they? Oh, they, yeah, are. they are. Yeah, they so are. Is the feeling the same? No, absolutely not. Because I consider our particular parish a family. Okay. So I have my immediate family, you and my wife and my grandkids and my brother-in-law and, and so on. And that's my immediate family. That's my family. But then I have my church family and the feeling, the connectiveness. I mean, it's mm -hmm. a different type yeah. of love. Yeah. It's a different type of connectiveness. It's a different type. And I know you're going to love this. It's a different type of energy, you know? Yeah. One thing that's missing right now in our world because of COVID-19 is the energy we get in just the simple embrace of a hug. Yes. Oh, my God. You can, yes, get, that. Right. You can get that from your spouse and your kid. You know, I've seen Facebook posts where people are huggers in general. Oh, I'm one of them. Public, 
they're just, you know, when they go to see somebody, you know, it's a knuckle bump, it's an elbow bump, you know, it's like, um, okay, we got to keep our social distance away. And you're like, okay, I'll give you a virtual hug, but it don't feel the same. It's not the same, no. And, and that's exactly the difference that you have that energy, that feeling when you're sitting on your sofa or when you're sitting on a chair in front of your TV and you're watching your, your mass at 11 o'clock in the morning when it right. was recorded at 8, mm-hmm. you know, for me, sometimes I feel a little guilty. But then again, if I'm down here in the basement and I turn it on and I see it on my computer and then I'm on my work computer, which is totally separate, you know, I can kind of watch it and follow along what's going on and not be too distracted, even though I'm paying attention. But it's not like being there where you can actually, you know, embrace the priest, you know. Right. And you feel the energy of all the other people just collectively in the room. I talked, I've been going live a lot on social media, and I talked about how about 16 days ago was the last time I was out, right? Like I went to the grocery store, and I talked about how when I walked into the grocery store, the fear and the attitude, the energy was palpable that there was this fear and this concern, but COVID-19 still even then wasn't quite as bad here in Illinois anyway, as it was just even, you know, a a short time later. And now it's totally different. There is an energy that you feel when you are, you know, like, look, you're my brother and I, I love you dearly. And you and I are very close and we can talk on the phone and we can feel connected and we can talk right now. Like we're doing this recording for, for, you know, the, the podcast and we're seeing each other via Zoom, right? Mm-hmm. And, and there's an energy there, but right. it's still not the same as when you and I are physically in the same room together and we can feel one another and we can hug and we can talk and we, it's like you just know they're there. So I, one of the reasons that I wanted to have this conversation with you is because I think so many you know, whether you have spiritual beliefs or particular religious beliefs, there's ways that you've connected, and we're all kind of being asked to disconnect and reconnect in these very different ways that right. are very foreign to us and very challenging. And it's Absolutely. like, so how do we navigate those feelings? How do we, how do we navigate through all those thoughts? So let me ask them, what, like, when you first were told you had to, you know, here's our recommendation, you need to work from home. And then it was, oh, now we can't gather. And it really felt like everything was just kind of turned upside down. Do you remember some of the thoughts or feelings you had about that? Oh, you mean like when they issued the the stay-at-home order? Well, yeah. And then, you know, like, okay, so let's take work. Did you just look at it? Do you remember thinking like, oh, this is just a precautionary measure. It'll be maybe shorter term. We'll see how it goes. And, you know, this is cool. We'll do this for a while. Like, do you remember what your thoughts were when the military first said you got to work from home? Well, when I first started hearing about the COVID-19, you know, pandemic with the, you know, from the World Health Organization, you know, my thoughts were, wow, this is something that's serious. And I wondered how long it was going to take the government to um, send us home to work from home, if that were the case. And when they came out with that, you know, first early that morning, they're like, yeah, we don't know what they're going to say. 
Um, but be prepared. So here's what you need to do. Gather up all the information that you can possibly use to work from home because that might be what you do. So okay. my first thoughts were, okay, I need to go back and look at my projects. Which ones can I physically work on from home that I don't need access to network drives? Um, but then those, those were uncertainties too. And mm -hmm. we were asking the questions, are we going to be able to connect to our network drives? And some of the people were saying, yeah, they think so. Others were saying, we don't know. And as it turns out, we can't. One of the provisions they put in for us is they looked at the whole department, um, which is about 32 people, and they put half of us uh, are allowed to come in on two days a week. And then the other half are allowed to come in the other two days of the week. So it'd be like Monday, Wednesday, or Tuesday, Thursday. Okay. Um, it didn't matter what time you came in, but you could only come in for no more than two hours. Oh, just well, we to didn't like find that out. We didn't find that out until late that Monday afternoon. Oh, so like to to get certain things that you might need to get, or to connect in certain ways that you can only do through military means, military systems. Correct. Correct. Yeah. 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 I mean, that makes have, sense. Protect yeah. security and things like that. And if I come in at, you know, if I come in on a Monday at nine o'clock and there's six other people that work in my section, my immediate section, they may be coming in at different times. So, okay. and we were all put a minimum of 12 to 24 feet away. And if you saw one person walking wow. down the aisle this way, you go around the other way. You look to make sure no one else is walking down. Wow. That. So, yeah. So they gave us, they gave us some directives. That's good. So then what did you think when... All right. So you're managing with that. You, you guys are getting into a groove and you're trying to figure out like, okay, well, this is how it's going to have to work. If I have to go in the office, I know I can on these two days for this amount of time if, right. to get what I need. If I don't have to, then I'll stay at home. Right. But what happened then? You still had your church family. You still had those other connections. What were some of the feelings and the thoughts you remember having then when, you know, the, the, the orders from the church kind of came down and said, sorry, we, we can't gather. We have no idea when we're going to gather again. And we don't even know how we're going to connect with you at all because they didn't have, they weren't doing, they were trying to figure out the online stuff at that point. Right. Like what were some of the feelings and thoughts you had then? I won't say deserted because it's not like they just, it, I guess it would be kind of feeling just deserted, you know, because we didn't have anything set by them. They yeah. didn't have, they weren't ready. Our church wasn't ready. We don't have a lot of money. So our church really wasn't ready to be doing online regular masses in the first place. Sure. Okay. Um, we're a, a lot of the larger churches, whether they be Catholic or, or Methodist or Lutheran or whatever, you know, the larger churches, they have a bigger congregation. They make a lot more money. We're a small church. We only have, I think it's like 800 registered families in our church. So that's pretty small. It's large, but it's small. Okay. Yeah. Bottom line is, you know, they didn't know, and I want to correct myself on something I said before, because I was looking at a calendar going, no, that's not right. It was actually a week later that the church actually started doing video. And it was actually then around the 30th of March is they actually had a mass on the 29th that they showed us um, that we had online. And then they tried to do a daily mass on the 30th and couldn't get it to work. And then the rest of this week, they were able to record each day. And we did have Palm Sunday Mass recorded too. So getting back to your question, though, I mean, yeah, I felt like there was, other than what the 
the communication that we had and were getting was um, our parish has set up a notify the parish family on Fridays with an email blast of what's going on in the church. So we all look forward to that Friday email blast. Sure. Now, because I'm involved with the church and I have done other things with the church, I'm on the pastoral council. We meet on a monthly basis with our priest, talk about upcoming events and things that we've got planned to do. We had a meeting that we were supposed to have done on the 2nd which we didn't do two, three days ago, four days. Oh, so they didn't figure out a way to do that virtually yet. No, but talking to the priest, um, we are going to try to do a zoom on that. Okay. Um, he, he brought that up and an email to me saying, Hey, what about the rest of the pastoral council? Can we maybe do something after Easter, not during Holy week, since Mm -hmm. this is the beginning of Holy week. And I'm like, absolutely. You know, I can send out an email to the, to the rest of the council and say, here's the agenda. What are, you know, what day's best for you since it's outside our normal first Thursday of the month. So, you know, initially you're feeling deserted and I, and I get that because I think so many of us have felt deserted, betrayed, betrayed and deserted by COVID-19, betrayed and deserted by family and friends, by employers, by coworkers, by pretty much anyone that we were kind of connected to in some ways, because, you know, we all have varying states of fear about this. We have varying states of belief about it. And I'm not saying, I'm just saying like initially there were lots of people that still weren't really believing that COVID-19 is as serious as it is. They weren't believing the kind of social distancing and mandates and like, Oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And as more and more cases are happening here in the US and more and more resources are being tapped. More and more people are seeing the real gravity and it's coming in waves emotionally, psychologically, mentally, spiritually, physically for people. And, you know, every little cough, every little sneeze, there's this fear and thought like, Am I beginning to exhibit signs of COVID nineteen? Who have I been around? Have have I been around anybody who's infected? Yeah, and we're all trying to pivot on how, like, to get the masses online, how to get the pastoral council meetings online, how to do our work online, how to do presentations online, how to live in yeah. a more virtual techno age right now, which we haven't been used to. So, are you feeling any more connected? And a little less deserted with the beginning of the church kind of getting online. Well, with the church, I do. Absolutely. Yeah. Even though I'm sitting in my living room and we're watching our mass, you know, my wife and I are watching the mass together. You know, it may not be like we're right there in church and going to receive. One of the cool things about Christianity is uh, Catholicism is we're given what they call a spiritual um, spiritual communion. <laughs> Mine went blank for a second. To where we say a certain reading, okay. um, about a paragraph and a half long, and it welcomes Jesus into our heart spiritually. So oh. even though I cannot physically receive you, uh-huh. I accept you spiritually in my heart, and I know and believe that you are here with me. And and that satisfies, spiritually, it's supposed to satisfy our, our need, and I feel it does. Nice. Maybe not to the same complete fullness of being physically there receiving sure. you know, the body and blood, but spiritually receiving it, 
when the mass is being said, because the priest is going to receive and he's going to drink and then there's silence. And then we say the saying for our spiritual communion. That's beautiful. I mean, I think that's really a lesson that everybody listening can take too, that look, whether you're religious and you have an organized faith or you're spiritual and whatever that might mean for you, whether you believe in God or Jesus or Allah or like whatever you call your God or your higher power or is part of your spiritual connectedness, I think that that what you just said is really important to take away from this is that regardless of the religion, whether it's organized or, or not, or the spiritual beliefs or not, mm-hmm. that there is a way to connect, even if we're if it's unlike the way we've been used to connecting, right? We can go within ourselves and like like you, you know. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna imagine this. You and um, your wife, and I'm purposely not saying her name because I don't know that she would mind her name being on air. So you and your wife are are watching the mass together in your living room, and the priest gets to that point and he drinks the blood and body of Christ, do you then like close your eyes and and kind of imagine and feel, visualize all of that and allow yourself to really feel that as best you can with what the priest is saying and what you're saying? Yes, absolutely. And I think, oh my God, I think that that is so beautiful and so important that like y'all listening, take that and apply it to your own life. Right, it doesn't have to be communion, but if you're Catholic, absolutely. If you're not part of a church community, and you are of a Christian faith, you know, or you're Catholic, and you're used to going to a, an outside gathering place, and you can't right now, and your place of worship is not offering any online service, whether you can find something on the internet or not, then just close your eyes and envision that you are in that kind of a house of worship. If you do not go to a, a place of worship ever or on any regular basis, or even over only around certain holidays or something, still, if you're feeling a lack of connection with kind of your God or that higher power, your spiritual or religious beliefs, then do what John is saying that their parish is doing in order to kind of help still feel connected and receive communion in that way from a spiritual place, do that for yourself from a spiritual place. And then let's go one step further. You don't have any organized kind of religious faith or belief system. You liken yourself, though, to feeling extremely spiritual and very connected. Then just go within and imagine yourself in the most beautiful, safe, loving place you can imagine in your mind's eye, get quiet, go within, connect to that deepest part of your own heart and soul to feel that connectedness and envision what that feels like and looks like and seems like when you are with other people. Because I think this is exactly why I asked John to come on and to, for us to have a conversation. He's not a business guy. He's not an entrepreneur. He doesn't have a business. He's not a coach. He's not selling anything. He's not offering any free anything. He doesn't have a website. He doesn't give two squats about that stuff. What I love about my brother 
is he loves with his whole heart and he's he loves to serve he loves to help and he loves to help uplift people and you know his faith is so important to him and and I, and as we were talking the other day just talking his brother and sister i said bro are you willing to come on my podcast and for us to have a conversation because you are the epitome of someone who is so involved and the rug has been pulled out from underneath you how like for all of us but i mean in your knowing you the way i do the rug has been pulled out from underneath you and yet you're you're managing through it's like how are you doing that another question then how have you felt or dealt with some of the guilt that you are feeling as far as guilt of what well like when you're kind of working but you're trying to listen to the mass on the other computer or you're oh, oh, okay. or or you kind of felt bad that you felt kind of deserted by the church and you said earlier you kind of felt guilty about that as far as work is concerned i mean I, I try to, they say you should never stay, you know, like I work in a cubicle at my office. Mm -hmm. So I'm up on a regular basis, just walking around, even if, you know, I've got something I'm typing up, you know, if I'm working on a document that I need to get out, you know, maybe by the end of that weekend, I'm still going to get up and take breaks. Well, I find myself taking a whole lot less breaks working down here in my basement. Oh, really? So my distraction, my distraction, oh, absolutely, is looking on my computer and following mass ah. uh, or looking on my phone and taking a little break or going to use the restroom. Um, I mean, we can't sit at your desk eight hours a day and not expect you getting up to even use the restroom at all, you know? So why do you think you're taking less breaks at home then? I would think you'd take more breaks at home because it is a comfortable, safe place for you that you're used to. Because I'm using a distraction that no one has seen me use. In other words, if I'm at work uh -huh. and, and I want to take a break, if, if I'm on my phone and I'm playing a game and I'm just using that as an example, and my boss popped her head and sees me on the phone playing a game, I'm like, oh, I was just taking a break, okay? And then she comes back in, 20, 30, 40 minutes later, and I've been working. I've been typing on my keyboard. I've been writing what I right. needed to. Oh, man, I need to take that other little stretch break. I grab my phone. I look at it. For, she pops her head in again. I'm not playing that same game, but I'm on my phone. Her immediate thought is, he's been on the phone the whole time. And I'm like, no, I have not been on the phone the whole time. You just happened to catch me twice when I picked it up. So there's that, there's that guilt feeling that should I have even picked up my phone in the first But wait a minute. That would mean you'd take less breaks at work and more at home because nobody's there to see you, watch you look over your shoulder, but you're saying you're taking less breaks at home. Because I'm getting so involved with what I'm doing here at, at home. Oh yeah, that work. makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Because I've got no distractions. I've got, I'm in the basement. It's quiet. Right. That's it's true. eerily quiet. I have to come down here with a jacket on sometimes because it gets so cold down here. And I wear shoes because my feet get cold. So your wife's relegated you to the basement? No, I'm just kidding. Well, that's where my <laughs> office is. <laughs> you know where my office is. You've seen it. But my, my work computer is right, my laptop is right next to me to where my regular, my home computer is. So, I mean, it's, it's a turn, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm down here and I guess it's because it is quiet and I'm doing something and I look at my watch and it's like, wow, a lot more time has passed by than I thought it would. You know, mm -hmm, yeah. oh, it's time to get another cup of coffee. Wow, wait a second. I've only, wow. You know, I mean, right. I may go two hours or three hours drinking a cup of coffee, whereas normally at the base, I would spend maybe 
an hour and a half or two hours. Well, you got to stop another cup. And yeah, you got to yeah. stop all that coffee anyway there, brother. I love you. I want you I'm to be down, around. I'm down to two cups a day right oh, now. Oh, there you go. Awesome. Uh, Maybe 64 ounce mugs. Oh, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't. Yeah, we didn't <laughs> specify how big the, the no, mug was, no. did we? So first of all, then, why do you think you felt guilty about feeling kind of deserted and and everything going on? And why do you think the guilt has lightened up? I don't know how to answer why I felt guilty initially. What do you think? What just 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 play with me here for a second? You know, you you're not sure, but if you did know, what might it be like? Why do you think you might have felt guilty initially when you like you couldn't attend church and you couldn't participate in mass? Because something was taken away, and and it's something that I needed in my life. Right, but why would you feel guilty? Because why should COVID nineteen change that? Why did it have to stop? And why did COVID come in and do I get it that, but that would feeling? be like anger and hurt and frustration and sadness. Why guilt? I'm just curious because I think this is important for a lot of people because I think a lot of people are so used to the way things were pre-COVID-19 and with all these changes and, and, and the normalcies being turned upside down, it's almost like they feel guilty and bad that they kind of like some of the differences or they like not having to be expected to to do xyz or they like and they're feeling bad about that because they've been so used to doing it a certain way for so long and now they're being asked to kind of go on their own innovation or creativity or their own thought process and they're kind of lost and i think then they kind of feel a little guilty and i i just want to i wanted to kind of pinpoint this because I think this is a good opportunity for people who are listening to realize that if you're feeling guilty, which to me, the way I've always taught that to my clients and looked at it through my own life and my own perspective, is that guilt is just the inability to forgive yourself for something. So if I am this person who's very involved in my church, and I'm so used to doing all these things with my church, and I have these roles that I play, and all of a sudden that's totally changed and shifted. I now feel bad because I feel like, uh, what, what, uh, what are my roles? Or I'm not doing what I should be doing. Well, there you go. I'm not doing what I should be doing. But, and and here's the but. Nobody is. Oh, I know. <laughs> right? So it's okay. So it's like, you know, if you're listening and you felt guilt about whatever, listen to what John just said. It's like, this is this is really hitting the nail on the head. It's like, I'm not doing what I should be doing, or I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And our logical mind tells us, well, most people aren't because we're all being asked to shelter in place. And yet at the same time, I can still feel kind of bad inside, like, oh, but I should still be doing this. And that's where those butts come in. Yes, exactly. I mean, during during the last, well, during during Lent, okay, uh, since the beginning of Lent, uh, other than me singing in a church choir or not a church choir, but singing in a a private chorus and having rehearsals every single day of the week—Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday—had something going on with church. Mm. during during Lent. Yeah. And so from Ash Wednesday, uh, we had something that Thursday and that Friday. And then the following week was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And all of a sudden, 
March 16th comes around and that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday stuff is canceled. Right. Um, We did do our 16th rehearsal for our chorus, um, but then no mass on the weekend and no backup with the church on videos or anything else. Right. Yeah. They were still trying to get things figured out. So we really didn't get any daily masses that following week. And it wasn't until just this recent week that they got things worked out. So it was like, here we're doing stuff every day. And now I'm feeling guilty because now I'm at home. I'm praying more. That's a good thing. But I'm being more lazy. And and that's a sin. Okay. Well, okay. We're going to differ. We're gonna, I love you and you're my brother. And I have the utmost respect for you. And I all I will never, ever, ever you know, tell someone how they quote unquote should feel or be or think or any of that. (laughs) And I'm going to qualify that, that if you believe that those things, not you as John, the person, anybody listening as well, if you believe those things are sins, beautiful, then that those are your beliefs, allow yourself to feel and believe what you believe. I personally do not believe that. Right. And that's perfectly okay. And that's how John and I can be super close you, and you come can from be lazy up to a point, I guess, you know, and, and the thing is, you know, I mean, I could be productive in other ways now, but sure. I don't want to expose myself outside to the potential right. of coming across someone else. So it's like, don't you think we're all being though a little bit quote unquote lazier in some respects, oh, as absolutely. well as being more productive. And, and that's really the key is that allow yourself the permission to feel and think what you feel and think. What is unhealthy is if we all get caught up in something like, I can't go to church, I can't take communion, oh my God, my soul is going to this, or Jesus is going right. to that, or God yeah. is going to be angry, or I can't now, or I'm not being allowed, and I'm so disconnected, and oh my God, like reach out and find the ways to connect with people Find the ways to connect with your community, with your church family, with your friends, with your your immediate family members if you if you have close relationships, because now is not the time with all the isolating to feel even more disconnected. Right. Well, and like today our parish it our parish had sent out an email blast on Friday saying that, you know, for uh, um, today being uh, with Sunday being Palm Sunday, they are going to be distributing palms after mass. There'll be people out there in Smurf gloves, <laughs> and that's exactly <laughs> what they said. There'll be people out there in Smurf gloves, and, and they may or may not have masks on. Just follow along the traffic and pick up a palm. You don't have to get out of your car. And I thought that was such a great thing that, you know, we cannot actually be at church to, you know, celebrate Palm Sunday with the palms waving and everything else. But here they're giving us just a small object that's been blessed by the priest. Right. And way to you know, connect. A, a special yeah. prayer that's been said over the palms, holy water sprinkled over them, and then given to us at a later date. I love that. That's beautiful. All right. Yeah. So what in these final few minutes, and again, you know, John is legitimately my biological brother, my sibling. I love him to death. I, he's been in my life for 55 years. I'm his, I'm the little baby sister. Oh, that's right. You're only 55. Oh, shush your face. And we, we have an amazing relationship. We've always been very psychically and synergistically connected. We've, we've had one of those relationships through our lives where we often would like finish each other's sentences in weird ways and 
we could all be as a family watching a movie together, even as adults, when we were both married with our own children and stuff, we could watch a movie and, and there would be some weird thing or silly thing that would happen on the screen. And we'd both say the exact same weird, silly thing, like flipperty jibbit, 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 or something like that at the exact same moment and look at each other going, stop doing what? that. Get out of my yeah. head. <laughs> and yet we can't be further away from each other as far as some of our ideologies and belief systems about certain things. And yet we're so close together and on the same page about so many things. And so I really am grateful and honored that you said yes to coming on, that you are brave and courageous. My brother is not the kind of guy that like he gets kind of can get flustered. He can talk with his church family all day. He can do church functions and be the head of things and a leader and all this. And he does phenomenal when it comes to different stuff like this, though, this would get him a little nerve-wracked a tiny bit. And you've been eloquent and articulate and well, thank you know, you. just honest and authentic. And you're always uh, honest and authentic anyway, but, <laughs> and, and I appreciate your perspective because I think how that, much did you want the check written out for Sue? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> and I just really wanted my audience to hear another level of real authentic conversation about some real authentic shit, which is we are in the middle of this pandemic and it's also a pandemic of mind, body, and soul. And if we address some of the spiritual and religious pieces for ourselves from these different perspectives, we can gain more insight and, and maybe not feel guilty or bad about however we are or aren't connecting. So if you had some final words, whether it's from specifically Catholicism and your religious faith and belief, as well as from a more overarching spiritual kind of perspective, what would you want my audience to kind of take away from our conversation tonight from your perspective? Well, and I kind of knew this question was coming as you were almost leading to it. Um, and the first thing that popped into my mind, to be honest with you, is pray. Okay. People don't pray enough. And I don't recall exactly which verse in the Bible says, but it, it calls us to pray and pray often. Um, and I think we should pray and thank all of our uh, nurses and doctors and the people that are out there frontline doing what they're doing, risking their lives, you know, and exposing themselves and unfortunately dying from it themselves. Oh, my God. Yes, absolutely. Like I said before, you know, I pray a lot. I pray more often now that I'm home. I've got more time, more quiet time. I don't have to feel embarrassed at work if I'm reading you know the bible and someone comes in on me and i'm like oh i was just reading the bible because then they feel guilty because they interrupted me oh yeah. and i'm reading and i'm taking you know i'm just sure. taking a break and i'm reading the bible you know i think we just need to pray more i think everybody needs to pray that this pandemic comes to an end that the numbers start to flatten i mean i knew from when they talked about this and it probably was a book i read 30 years ago about you know, a, a global pandemic, yeah. um, how it just lasted and lasted and lasted. And you see movies made from, you know, the dwindling down of the population. Sure. And all that. You know, 7.7 .7 billion people in the world. God has given us a wake up call. Oh my God. Yes. 
Absolutely. Okay? That, that's my takeaway from the whole thing is God yeah. has given our, our country, our planet, a wake-up call. Yes, I 100% agree. We need to change things. And I, I love what you said. Thank you for saying that. And so many have said, I have a friend who did a live the other day where she called it God's timeout. And I love that. <laughs> I like that. Right? And, yeah. you know, like God, you know, God's wake up call. And, and the only thing I, I want to say about that is follow your own heart and path. And, you know, prayer is about intention and energy and setting your heart and the quietness in your heart to say, in my state of quietness and going within, I'm setting out intention with love and compassion and thought and belief. And I'm sending it to the world and to my higher power. And if that be God for you, if that be Jesus, if that be whomever, whatever, praying is not about a, a specific set of rules that you have to follow for it to look a certain way. It's about the intention and the coming together in that energy and on that same page. And I think that's where the wake-up call is, is that we are on this same page. Yes. Or becoming more on this same page Getting now. There. Yeah. And, and looking at going within and reevaluating the priorities and seeing how we can continue to come together and raise that consciousness. And, you know, if you have religious or spiritual routines that you're not being allowed to do, please, please find other ways to still get those needs met and not feel like you are deserted or alone or lost in that. Thank you, John, so much for coming on. I love you so much as my brother, as my friend, and as an amazingly beautiful human being who truly works to walk in life from a place of love and compassion and service. I honor you. I thank you. I love you. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me, and it has been a pleasure speaking with you for another hour out of my extremely busy days. <laughs> yeah, blah, blah, blah. All right. And, love you. I love you too. And with that, everybody, please go out there, stay safe, be well, know that I love you all very much. And, you know, I'm here for you however you need. If you need help, if you need to vent, if you need to talk, if you need to share, please reach out to me at kickyourbutts.com, www.kickyourbutts.com. Leave me a message on, on the recording. Email me directly from the site. Let me know what you're needing. I will be there in service to you. For now, have an amazingly safe, healthy, beautiful next week, and I will see you next week. Ciao for now. You've been listening to Kick Your Butts, where sitting on your butts is no longer an option, figuratively and literally. To access the show notes and important links from today's episode, please visit kickyourbutts.com. While you're there, please share your Kick Your Butts story by clicking the Start Recording button. It might just be included in a future episode. Thanks for listening today. Now get out there and kick those butts to the curb.